The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This weekend, we celebrate the solemnity of the Pentecost, which recalls the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the Apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary. The, the Feast of the Pentecost also closes the whole Easter season. Today is the very last day of Easter. Because as we know, Easter is not just Easter Sunday, but rather the whole Easter season extends to 50 days after the day of resurrection and today closes formally the whole Easter season. It is also the birthday of the church. Pentecost is referred to as the birth and the foundation of the church, of the Catholic church. So that is why it is very appropriate to greet each and every one of us happy birthday, because it's really our birthday today in the faith. And since it's our birthday, it's an opportune time for us to reflect what it really means to be a Catholic. You know, what does it mean to, to profess to other people that we are Catholic? You know, we know, and most of you know, but if somebody asks you, it's like, what does the word Catholic mean? What's, what's your answer? What is the default answer? Okay, that's good. Universal. But you know, universal is just scratching the surface of what the word actually means. Do, do you know who's the very first person who coined the, the word Catholic? Who's the first one? The very first person, one of the fathers of the church, who coined the term, the word Catholic, starts with letter I. Close, but not quite. St. <laughs> Ignatius of Antioch. St. Ignatius of Antioch was the very first person who coined the word Catholic. And you know, if you really scrutinize what this word means, it's more than just universal. You know, when we speak of, of our own, you know, of usual understanding of universality, 
practically what people think is that, oh, universal means like when I go to Mexico or to the Philippines, even though Mass is celebrated in their own languages, I could still understand them. It's universal. Well, that's just a very tiny aspect of what it means to be universal. Okay. Universal, as referred to as the meaning of the word Catholic, comes from the Latin word universalis. Universalis comes from two words, unum, which means one, and vertere, which means to turn. What, what does it mean then in, re in reference to being a Catholic? Meaning, there is a center right there, one, a center point, and then you make a circle through a compass, and everything that is inside the circle is considered to be part of the center. That is what it means to be universal, meaning, meaning it also connotes exclusion. Meaning those who are not part of inside a circle is excluded in this. Is it really a complete understanding of what it means to be a Catholic? Actually, it's incomplete. Because faith is not just offered to certain individual who form part of that circle, but is extended to everyone. That is just one aspect, though, of how we understand the word Catholic. The word Catholic also exists in the Greek language. And this is another, another way of understanding our identity as Catholic. The word Catholic in Greek is katholikos. It comes from two words, kato, which means throughout. And the other word is holos, which means whole. In many ways, it says throughout the whole. And I want you to ponder more on the second, second root of the word Catholic, throughout the whole. How do we understand this? Think of the universe as the whole. Think of the universe as a whole. And think of yourselves as Catholic, as like a leaven, that yeast that is sprinkled to that whole. And when a yeast or leaven is sprinkled to that hole, what happens to the hole? It rises. It expands. It penetrates the hole. It influences the hole. That's how we need to see ourselves primarily, that we are leaven, that we are yeast, that we are sprinkled to the whole, to the universe, in order to enrich the universe. Not just kind of staying in our own bubble, staying in that universalist circle, and just relate with one another who thinks the same as ours. But rather, to always see yourself as someone who is truly an instrument of the Holy Spirit in the work of evangelization. And how can we do that? By being that yeast, by being that leaven. And you know, the yeast or the leaven 
once it's sprinkled to the hole, once it's sprinkled to the, to, to the dough, you could hardly identify them. But it is the prime mover in order for the dough to actually rise and become tasty, edible. That's our role as Catholic, as church. Don't see just yourself as like, oh, I'm universal because it's like when I go to Greece, even though the Mass is in Greek, I could join my fellow Greek people in celebrating Mass. Well, that's great. But that is just looking at intra, internally. But as Catholic, we have also to look outwardly from our own person because we are called to be conduits of the Holy Spirit in the work of evangelization. And how do we do this? You know, how do we do this? By making sure that we participate and collaborate in the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've shared this before to you that when I was in the seminary, and early on in my own spirituality, I really had a hard time relating to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's so easy for me to relate with Jesus because I could see Jesus. I mean, not I could see him in person, but, you know, there is Jesus here with a, you know, with a sacred heart. I could see his figure. It's easy to relate with an actual person. The same thing with, with God the Father. You know, we have our own image of Father in our own lives. It's so easy for me to enter that. But the Holy Spirit, I grew up, whenever I hear the word Holy Spirit, I, it's like the first thing that comes to my mind is this white dove. I don't want to relate with a bird. It's like, it is so difficult for me. You know, I had a hard time truly entering into that relationship. You know, until I was attending a retreat in the seminary and I was in front of the adoration, uh, it was during the adoration, and I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and there was this song in the background being played over and over again. I was getting annoyed with it, and I was just like, what is this song? And I paid attention to the lyrics, and it was the Spirit of the Living God fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, send me. And it kept on repeating over and over again. It's like, wow, this is the best definition of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, primary, the first work of the Holy Spirit is to melt our fears. Just like what we heard in the gospel, the disciples were locking themselves up for fear. And when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, the Holy Spirit did not just melt the lock in the door where they were confining themselves, but the Holy Spirit melted their fears, their anxieties, their preoccupations, their doubts. And what happened after that? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were out in public proclaiming the gospel. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life is to melt our fears. Whatever sorrow, whatever pain, whatever doubts you have, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, melt me. And when we are melted, when a thing is melted, that thing has to be refashioned back, has to be molded back again. And when we are molded, 
We are molded not just to any kind of mold, but according to the very person that God has in mind for you when you were created, molding you back into His own image and likeness. And when we are molded back, we were told in the gospel today that He breathes on us, breathes on us, fills us with life. And what you know, do you ever ask yourself, what does the Holy Spirit need to fill me in my life right now that is lacking? If my life is miserable, if my life is a big blah, there must be something lacking. You know, think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, understanding, wisdom, counsel, fortitude, fear of the Lord, all those great things, primary things that we need in order for us to be joyful. And those are the things that the Holy Spirit willingly gives to us and fills us. And when we are filled with His gifts, we can't just stay on closed doors. We can't just stay locked up. We are being sent. We are being sent. We are being dispersed. And uh, um, what's the word that I'm thinking in dispatch out there just like what the holy spirit did to the apostles so you see that helped me now i have a renewed understanding of what the holy spirit does in my life i barely think of the holy spirit as the dove it doesn't work to me i'll tell you but it works when i think of the holy spirit as the relationship that that love that exists between the father and the son and it is the holy spirit that continues to move us into that direction of eternal life and oneness in god you know in the gospel in the first reading today we we heard about languages right you know that people could already understand the apostles as they were being dispatched in different places uh, foreigners were like how can we even understand them they were speaking their own languages how i wish i can do that i can speak in tagalog right now and then as i, as I speak in tagalog you can hear me in english without my accent but being still here and being pro and being able to proclaim to you the word of god someone who you know who was born in a in a in a simple town way back in the Philippines. You know, English was not my first language. I learned English. And now proclaiming to you the gospel and what the Lord has done to us and in my own life, that's continuing the work of the Holy Spirit that we heard from the first communities of faith. And it's amazing. You know, and... In three weeks, I'm going to be in a different place again. <laughs> you know, um, uh, for some of you, you probably heard now that Father Peter and I are leaving and, uh, and I'm going back to school, to studies. And uh, the, the bishop asked me to study canon law. And uh, by the way, you know, there were some people already who said, Father, what will you do with your canon law? Will you going to be working, you know, just admin stuff when you return? 
Actually, no. One of the things that I asked the bishop is like, Archbishop, if I finish this, I want to be back in the parish when I'm done. And he said, of course you will be back to the parish, but you have other responsibilities aside from parish. You know, that's just part of getting this degree. But as I was discerning about this, you know, when the bishop approached me about this, and he gave me several options. He said, you can go to Rome, you can go to Washington, D.C., or wherever you want to go to finish canon law. I just want you to get canon law because we need help. You know, canon law is not just annulment. Canon law governs all the aspects of the church from sacraments, from governance. Every aspect of the church has a particular law attached to it. So that is why we need canon lawyers. If a priest is accused also of something, he needs to be represented by a canon lawyer. Annulments as well, but annulment is only a very tiny aspect of canon law. Like, if there's a question about the validity of the sacraments, how the sacrament is celebrated, a canon lawyer is, is also consulted. But Taiwan, I'm not a scholar. You know, my primary heart, my heart is with parish. So when I asked the bishop, what's the purpose of all of this? You know, after being in a parish for, and having been gone from school for 12 years, he said, just be attuned to the work of the Holy Spirit in our local church. And I truly believe that you can help us in the future with some things. But also, right now, we have lots of backlogs in our annulment cases in Spanish because for those who can only speak Spanish and they submit their petitions in Spanish, they have to be translated to English in order for judges to make decisions on their cases. So he said, it's important for us to have people who can actually read and and make decisions without things being translated so that justice can be given to them speedily. Then I said, okay, if that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do for my life, for my ministry in the future, or a part of it, then, you know, that, that's fine with me. But is it my first love? Probably not, you know, because I love parish. But thanks be to God, he assured me, he said, you were going to be in the parish after you finish this, aside from those other works. So again, you know, the Spirit, I'm sorry for taking so long. I'm just talking about how the Holy Spirit is working right now. Uh, it's our birthday, so you can forgive me for a few more minutes. My point about this is that we just have to trust how the Lord is directing our lives. But one of the things that I'm so not looking forward to going back to school is that I'm going to be back to a dorm. Could you imagine? A dorm life after having your own house for 12 years. Dorm life. But, but again, it's all for the greater glory of God. I became a priest not for my own self, but for the gospel and for Jesus. And as long as we are heeding God's call, we can never be wrong. You see? And, and I'm excited for you guys. 
of where the Holy Spirit is leading you after this. You know, after me and Father Peter leave, there's going to be new guys here. And they are good guys, I'll tell you. Good guys. Probably more efficient than me. And that's where the Holy Spirit, you know, we just have to be open. One of the things that I asked when the bishop approached me is like, what's going to happen to St. Cecilia? And, and, and then after that, I realized, Carrie, what are you even asking? St. Cecilia has been there for 100 years, even before you. Don't be too, you know, arrogant. But I love you guys. So that's why my, my very first concern is, who's going to take my place? But again, this is God's church. And God's church, he will never abandon. And he will always going to take care of you and me. Happy birthday.